0: Yes, hello and welcome back to the first throw. I am your host, Chris Dunius, and it's an absolute pleasure to have your ears for company today on this gloriously hot yet unfortunately smoky day. Sitting at about 35 degrees today with the air conditioner in my car brought down to about level two so that it doesn't drown out my voice. However, at a cost, of course, is my t-shirt, which is drenched in sweat. But apart from that, what an absolute pleasure it is to have your company once again, heading into the analysis of Group B. Group A was covered in the previous episode. Um, I went over just briefly... Um, a statistical snapshot of Group A, which will be coming again for Group B, and just my thoughts and opinions and some pretty uh, loose predictions over what I think will eventuate um, in Group A in terms of progression and wins and loss head-to-head, such and such, Um, and what will take place in this episode will be much of the same Uh, within group two within group b sorry we have james the host tommy josh and eddie who rounds out the group and without further ado let's get stuck in to the statistical snapshot snapshot courtesy of our resident data analyst and competitor liam hennessy Yes, we are very grateful and fortunate to have Liam and are very thankful for him in providing uh, the statistical snapshot. And this is the Group B statistical snapshot. So we have, in Liam's words, the host, the king, the 420, and the one that's a little awkward. (laughs) I'll I'll let all our listeners and the competitors themselves try to sort through which one. They think is which, but I think it's fairly obvious who fits who. So a cocktail of perplexing and differing personalities in this group should see an interesting group dynamic taking place with big question marks around where every player is likely to place within this group. No arguments there. The group is the least experienced out of the lot in terms of games played, which should provide an element of the unknown. Again, no arguments there. So Liam's then gone on to approach the group as a collective. In terms of total games played, we have 175. uh, Clinch playing 66, Tommy 55, Josh 41, and Eddie 13. Little baby of the group. In terms of total championships, we actually have four in this group. Uh, Two belong to Clinch, one belongs to Tommy, and one belongs to Josh. Total wins are 84, and the relevant win percentages are Clinch sitting at 53%, Tommy sitting at 26%, which is shocking, Josh at 49%, and Eddie at 23%, which is beyond shocking. We have... My apologies, we have a mistake here. Um, Tommy's actually at 47% win percentage, so apologies to Tommy for that. 26, I believe, should be the number of wins that he has. The total beers consumed by this group are 350, which equates to 15 slabs. And some head-to-heads to to look out for, there's actually not many. Clinch and Tommy have played each other only twice, are registering one win each and all players have hardly played each other so we are stepping into a black hole in terms of data-driven insights for head-to-heads so that's the statistical snapshot uh, thanks to liam and now let's look ahead to the analysis of group b yeah so as liam mentioned um an interesting dynamic at play here in group b be, namely because, and this is um, actually a little bit foreign to uh, Beer Pong and the championship, is that there isn't a lot of derby matches, there aren't a lot of derby matches that are going to come out of this uh, group. In fact, there are none, um, Prima facie that really spring to mind that are going to cause a bit of tension. Um, and a bit of uh, spectator acclaim, if you may. So this is a little bit, um, a, li- a little bit of foreign territory here for for beer pongers. All these these four participants um, seem to get on fairly well. Although what we love about the championship is that um, if you're down six four, if you're down five four, sorry, and you really need need a win to get through the next stage uh some of the deep-seated and uh repressed feelings that some of the competitors competitors might have for each other they they sometimes are uh, they sometimes rear their ugly head at times and you know if someone's if someone's on the way to a, a nudie uh six six and oh game well who knows what's going to be said either way and whether maybe this group will be indicative of any future relations between the participants in um, any coming pong uh, championship. So that's always something to look at. And it only takes one game to really start and really fuel a rivalry, as evidenced um, in Tournament 18 by the matchup between Alex and Jerome, which is now... Possibly one of the more heated and one of the biggest rivalries of the entire championship. I get to be tested in terms of a repeat, but I think everyone's fairly certain that it will pass that test with flying colours, and we surely all hope so as well. But one one encounter before I uh, start going uh, through the, the participants one by one with my... Um, brief thoughts is the matchup between Josh uh, Berland and Clinch, which should make for interesting viewing, not because of their beer pong playing history together, but because of their social and personal history together. They've known each other for quite a long time, obviously went to school with each other like the majority of the participants Um, Did also, but they lived within close proximity of each other for a long time, and um, as somebody cuts me off from turning right, the absolute donkey, I shall uh, compose myself and finish what I was saying, Um, their personal history together, they, they grew up in the same... Area, the same neighborhood. They used to catch the same mode of transport to school together before uh, Josh outgrew uh, James in certain aspects in relation to uh, the social hierarchy and uh, uh, when he fell in with the jocks uh, quite a bit, as had has been put to me. I mean, this is just secondhand knowledge I am uh, putting forward. But Josh holds great memories of... Uh, Clinch's home he's some of his best memories growing up have been there um, great recent history there with the beer pong tournaments as well so he'll the venue itself will hold no fear for josh as it does quite a few people for the fact factors we don't know a lot of what goes on um, behind those doors but that'll be a, a clash that'll be interesting to see and one that will Actually, have a bit of banter about it, and a bit of a bit of niggle you would expect um, at times. Maybe not uh, the vitriol to the ex- maybe not vitriol to the extent that was seen between uh, Jerome and Alex, but nonetheless, uh, hopefully, a bit of byplay between the two that will make for some pretty interesting viewing uh, for the fellow competitors and the spectators as well. Um, but in terms of, of sheer quality, that that is actually quite uh, a great game to look out for because you have three championships between them. Plus, Josh went on a fairly good run uh, last tournament, making the uh, semi-finals, which was a fantastic achievement by him. And so. Clinch has something to prove, there's no doubt. I mean, he won. he's won two of the last three tournaments. So you might be sitting here uh, thinking, well, what does he have to prove? He's already won two tournaments. But as I covered in uh, one of the, the previous episode recordings, there were a lot of claims of a weakened tournament um, a couple of tournaments ago. And he backed that up with a fairly strong showing in the, uh, proceeding tournament, but again, that was missing a few players. So it'll be very compelling viewing to see which James Clinch shows up. Was it, was it the James Clinch that needed to make a statement? The one that indeed made a statement and won two beer pongs on the trot? Or is it the James before that who was on a bit of a slide sliding into a bit of obscurity now he rescued himself from that clearly with some outstanding performances but we hope that it isn't the the classic case of a champion where they've they've tasted success they feel that they've done it and they feel well well what le- what else is there left for me to achieve I mean I've done it I've, I've won it I mean we, we hope he's chasing records because he's won away from equaling the uh, uh, myself and Harry is winning the, the total most championships. Um, he's got a chance as well to climb the rankings. I mean, he's number six in the rankings. has a chance if he has a strong tournament. And if there is a drop-off from the two players above him, Alex and Daniel, he can actually overtake Mutz in the rankings, who is nine points ahead of him. Or Alex, who is six points ahead of him. And... And knowing Clinch personally as I do, that would be huge motivation in itself for him to put on a strong showing and um, overtake any of those two, if not both of them, in the rankings. Now we we know that um, that Clinch has finally found his game, and he's happy within his game. He's happy with his throw. He's happy with his stance. Um, he's one of the more interesting um, one of the more interesting throws that we have as it's very, um, it's very uh, backwards to front, it's very back to front. Um, he really rocks his body weight from his back to his front, and he really extends through uh, with his throat. This, this is a little bit um, interesting, and it's a little bit different because the majority of the competition, although not standing square, tend to keep themselves pretty um, rigid through the body and focus on their arm movement in in order to try and keep their throw in a, a nice, straight, and consistent line and length, whereas Clinch really rocks through, and that's how he—that's how he uh, propels the ball. Now it's it's different, and it's although it's although it's different, it doesn't mean by any manner that it is better or worse than his competitors. But what it does do is it it tends to it tends to extend. Extend the length of time with which he can keep his arm in the same position. If you think about other competitors, in a long game, drawn out game, there can, in just say like the fourth or fifth game of the tournament, maybe a quarter semi final or even a final, you've been throwing quite a lot of balls. And if you've been having weakened opponents and you're stuck throwing over and over and over again, there can be a bit of muscle fatigue through that arm. And clinch seems to uh, keep himself shielded from any sort of negative consequences by the way of muscle fatigue as that momentous throw of his and how he rocks the weight back to forward helps him throw the same way for longer. So there are benefits to it. Negatives, of course, are clear in that it can be pretty inconsistent because of the way he's rocking. Now, he's not the steadiest bloke on his feet when it comes to drinking and when he's had a few beers as well. So this, can, this could also explain why he has a long history of making quarterfinals but not kicking on. Here's hoping for another repeat of the clinch that we saw in the last tournament that was at his house, which was, of course, his victory and his second victory. And let's hope that we see more of the same there. And it'll be peculiar to see whether or not he's going to address that issue. Maybe maybe not rock as much. Maybe rock more early to preserve his arm for later throwing. And then he can focus on um, getting his directional qualities really, really, really um, set. But it's going to be interesting to see how clinch approaches this tournament. In terms of um, the second person joining the group, Tom Andrews, Tommy has Tommy missed the last tournament um, as he was moving in. Even though his uh, his roommate also was moving in that day, but managed to participate. But we don't mind that because now we get a fresh start. We get a fresh look at Tommy. We get a fresh look at the man who is top ten ranked. Let's not forget, he 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 copped a lot of slack for. For having won a tournament and not doing much since then. The fluking it, so to speak. Now, that's all well and good for someone who who comes truly uh, out of the blocks to win. But if you have a look at at Tommy's win percentage, he's sitting at 47% with a cup difference of minus 16. Just for a bit of context... uh, Liam is ranked 8th, and his win percentage is 48%, and Jerome is ranked 7th, whose win percentage is also 48%. Now, granted, they have markedly uh, different cup differences. Liam's sitting at minus 2, and Jerome's at 6. <clears throat> However, it shows that of the uh, classic contenders, if you may, we have... a. Uh your your semi-final regulars, and then you have your finalist regulars, he he definitely should sit in that bracket comfortably alongside Jerome and Liam, in my opinion, because he's missed a few tourneys. He's still sitting at 10th, one place above Goulds, for example, who has won two tournaments, but sits at a 41% win percentage. 6% difference. Tommy's greater than... Than Gould's. He has the championship as well. This is what definitely should put him in that echelon. He has a pretty poor cup difference at minus 16. However, when compared to those other two boys, Jerome and Liam, he definitely sits in that bracket. Plus, he's got in his locker the fact that he's won a tournament. One of those was against Jerome. So I think a bit of respect does need to be put back on Tom's name, but it's it's our role as as fans, spectators, analysts and competitors to put the blowtorch where where we feel it needs to be applied and in Tom's case look he hasn't done much in actual honesty after winning his tournament and it was a long time ago now he's fronted up he's, he, he's missed he's missed one or two but he's fronted up most tournaments and he's been he's been pretty pretty soundly beaten in most tournaments so Although a bit of respect needs to be put on his name, mate, if I was talking to Tom right now, I would say, Tommy, put some respect back on your own name. Yeah, prove that you belong in that that rung. Prove that you're a finalist consistently. 47% win percentage. Let's try and get that above 50. You get that win percentage above 50, then you start going into the next rung. You've got the... The, the clinches, who's at 53%, Alex at 54%, and Daniel at 55% win percentage. That's where we need to make that next jump for Tommy, is, is getting out of the groups, making the final, and winning a final. That's what we really want. You know, We don't want him to turn into the Essendon of beer pong. You know, We don't want it to be X amount of time since he's won a final. You know, He can't cope with those memes. You know, don't write them about him. He can't cope with them. He can't cope with those memes. Don't write them. If you don't want them written, do something about it. That's what I would say for Tommy. <clears throat> for Josh, I think it shows the quality of the man. He's sitting at a 49% win percentage. The only, the only thing about Josh is with that 49, so he sits with the Tommies and the Jeromes and the Liams, he has a minus 11 cup difference. So he's he's about he's about where... Where Tommy is now, Josh, Josh, Josh proved his quality by, after a long hiatus, coming in and winning, um, to, winning his way to the semi-final, which was a great achievement, and he did excellently throughout the tournament in achieving that. He was. He was given a, a softish draw in the quarters against Ben Andrews, but came through six-five. You can only win what's in front of you, and then lost the the semi-final to myself six-four. In what what must be said was a pretty disappointing manner. It wasn't um, it wasn't ever uh, a a very close match. There was always a bit of distance between um, the two of us. But again, what I like is he was drawn in a fairly hard group in terms of Group C. He had uh, Liam, uh, Benny, and Harry, which almost would be classified as a group of death if not for Group A at the time. And he got out of that with a plus five difference and two to one winning um, ratio. So it's great. He's He's got a bit of form behind him, and I'm picking Josh to kick on. So I'm going to go... Out of my way And I'm going to say I feel that Josh is going to Go through to the next round I I, I liked his throw In the last tournament And I like that He's got a bit of form Behind him Which I think is critical In beer pong Um, Bit of self belief But more so It's just an indication That your throw Is hitting the correct areas And I I really do like Where Josh is sitting Heading into this tournament Eddie Eddie is a, a A nine point player which means he's won three games. Um, He's got a cup difference of minus 11. So he's actually equal second best in this group. And he has a win percentage of 23%, which is extremely small. However, how I would like to see uh, Eddie, Eddie interpreted is the fact that He's won three games, so he's not a he's not a he's not a two-win or a one-win player historically. He's won three games. I mean, winning any game of beer pong is not easy. Yeah, and if it is, winning two definitely isn't. Winning three, again, definitely isn't easy. And he's won three of them. Now we know Eddie's got a a basketball background. He's, he's got a natural throw and he's got natural hand-eye coordination. So we, we like Eddie's throw when assessed, uh, when assessed on its merits. On its merits, it looks good. It looks good. And, and, and it feels good when you're watching it. You, you feel as if he's close or he's thereabouts. Although the only thing I think that Eddie lacks a bit is that confidence to keep hitting his spots. Because I feel at times when Eddie plays, although his throw looks good and although his form looks pretty good, although his form looks pretty good, you just feel that sometimes he's not a good thing. But then he'll then he'll just revert. He'll go okay. He's going for he's going for a particular cup setup, and the, the ball won't sing. The ball won't hit. The ball won't hit rim rim rim. So he'll just change plan and he'll go okay. Enough not nah, Uh, Stuff it And he'll go for like a loopy throw Or he'll go for like a a dart And he'll just abandon his philosophy And like we were talking about Noah In the previous episode What's most important for the historically weaker Or the, the less experienced beer pong players Is to find what's good for you And stick to it That's where Eddie needs to be for this tournament And again like Noah He needs to do it fairly quickly into the tournament Fairly soon Find what's good, stick with it. Even if they're not landing, even if you've got 10 rims in a row, or if you've got 10 rims in a row and you're still throwing, that means the other not doing too good either. Well, mate, keep going and keep hitting your spots. That's probably the most important thing to take away from, for Eddie. Also is the fact that there's not a lot of pressure on him. And this can actually be said for a lot of them, barring potentially James, because James is the host, and he's playing against um, one of his great mates Tommy and uh, one of his good mates Josh as well. So there's always going to be a bit of fire and a bit of foreplay and back and forth between those, uh, those three. There's not a lot of pressure on these guys. there's no with, with the greatest respect um, to to Josh um, Tommy and Clinch who have all won a title, there's no there's no big names in there and by big names I mean the multiple winners, the big personalities. Um, there's no one in the top five in that group. James is the highest at six, Tom's at 10. Um, Josh is at 13, but with a win percentage of 49%. And Eddie is number 26 ranked. So that, that's something to lean on. And I guess you can kind of feel your way into the tournament pretty early. Um, I guess with a, with, with a bit of um, obscurity in terms of the group, there is a bit of pressure because, Although there's no expectation, a lot of those boys, if not all four of them, will be looking at that group going, Ripper, I want to get through to the next stage. That's just done. Like, I need to do it. So they, there may be some self-expectations placed on themselves. Um, and how they deal with that and how that, they address that will ultimately determine how far they go. But, I mean, from, a, from an analyst's point of view, you would just have to, to not read too far into that group. The only, the only uh, depth of reading into that group would be, okay, I'm not going to have a, a huge amount of pressure here. Let's not build it on myself. Let's just take this time to focus on my throat, hit my cups, and whatever happens, happens. And then suddenly you find yourself top of group B and into the quarterfinals and uh, a number one seed, meaning that you're going to play a number two from any of the other three groups, which is excellent. That's exactly what you want. At that group, the best thing you could possibly do is finish first. Don't want to be finishing second because you haven't had um, elite competition in the group stage and you're going to be under pressure instantly in the quarterfinals playing a number one uh, seeded group um, exeter. So that's it for the uh, group B um, analysis. In terms of a, a soft prediction, Um unfortunately I'm gonna go for Eddie um, being bottom of the group I think he's gonna to struggle to get I think he's gonna to struggle to get wins against uh, Josh and Tom Tom because of his quickness of throw um, if if Tommy's in the Tommy that has unfortunately played him in recent tournaments where he's not hitting anywhere close to his his shots then his whole darting persona just is irrelevant at the end of the day because the whole point of darting is you're close to your spot, close to your spot, close to your spot, hit it, as we covered in the, the previous episode. And if you're not building pressure with a dart, then you're actually relieving pressure because if you're missing wide, 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 the other person feels more comfortable. You know, their hand's not going to cup, their hands aren't ready to take the ball out of the cup. You know, they, they know that they're going to get another shot fairly quick. They can take their time. You've missed. Okay, good. I'll take my time. I'll, I'll hit my spot. Oh, you've missed. Okay, I'll take my time. So, Darting only really builds pressure as it's supposed to when you're hitting your shots. If you're not hitting your shots, you're not building pressure and the whole point of the dart is actually counterintuitive. If Tommy's not hitting his shots, Eddie will beat him. I'm I'm pretty clear on that and I don't think Tommy will make it out of that group. If Tommy's hitting his spots, then I think he's a good chance of beating Josh and Eddie. Um, Josh is a fairly quick player as well. Um, Quicker than James is. James is a, a... a pretty slow player, even though he's not very loopy. He's a pretty slow player in terms of uh, throw for throw. Um, <clears throat> so I think that Tom might struggle against James. Then again, if Tom's hitting his straps, he's as good a chance to get out of the group as any. But I think that um, Josh, Tom, or James, it's between those three that will finish in the top two. I think that Obviously, each one of them will get a win against Eddie, which means the matchups between each other will be very, very, very interesting. Josh has a history of winning pretty well. Um, Tom's negative cup difference is a bit alarming. So, unless he is in form, I think he might finish third on cup difference. Um, and I think that either James or Josh could win all three pretty convincingly. Um, And it'll be a a pretty hard-fought battle for second place in that group. But interesting nonetheless, and one that's going to be very hard to predict. And if Eddie gets his first win on the board early, then look out because everything will get thrown on its head. Even if Eddie wins one game in that group, everything will get thrown on its head. So very interesting. That's why we love beer pong, because pretty much every group is interesting. Um, including the next group, which is Group C. Um, The next episode to be published um, will be covering Group C. Group C is, of course, my own group. Um, And I think we're going to have a a caller or two calling in, which will be interesting, but we'll cover that. And with most groups um, that I'm involved in, I will keep analysis of myself to the bare minimum, um, just out of respect to... Um, Being an impartial analyst um, I wear a couple of hats One as competitor One as impartial analyst And thank you very much for your time in tuning in I hope it was worth your while And we'll be back tomorrow With episode 4 Which will be the group C preview Featuring myself Which is going to be an absolute belter And must listen to podcasting Until then, enjoy your afternoon, enjoy your evening. And as always, I'll see you on the courts.